are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I know it may surprise you today, but I haven't always been this tall. In fact, I was actually short growing up. Of course, now that seems odd, but I was actually short when I was growing up. And in just a few weeks, Kings Island will open its gates for another epic season of Roller Coaster Spectacular. Does anybody love Kings Island? Anybody used to like Kings Island until you got older? And the rides, suddenly the rides changed on you. I love roller coasters. I grew up riding roller coasters at Cedar Point, and uh, it was uh, just something I always look forward to. But when you go to amusement parks, you see these signs everywhere. You must be this tall to ride this ride. I read that sign a lot growing up, (laughs) took special notice of that sign. But I would like to consider this thought today, you must be this tall to ride this ride. This message title was a message that Bishop Norman Pasley II was known for. In the sermon, he tells the story of the summer that Kedron was able to ride the racer for the first time. It was described in great detail as only he could describe it. And uh, what Kristen describes of it, she said, before we went up to the sign to to, to, to ride the ride, and we came up to the sign with the line on it that says, you must be this tall, Kedron's ponytail was put extra high. She was young. I don't know how old she was. Extra socks were given to her. And shoes were stuffed with toilet paper. And Kristen and Candace were behind her, and Dad Pasley was large and in charge, making sure that she was tall enough to ride that ride. I was reminded of this message this past fall, October 6th, 2018, to be exact. It was the holiday Halloween event at Kings Island called the Great Pumpkin Fest, and we were getting ready to leave Kings Island to go home after walking around and getting candy with Kristen, Emma, Audrey, and Ava. Then Ava said, Dad, I want to see if I can ride a big ride. Ava is seven, and earlier in the season when she was six, She had been measured and found wanting. (laughs) And of course, you say, well, you know, as a parent, well, well, maybe by the end of the season, you know, you'll be able to ride. But I, I wasn't quite sure of that. But on this day, just a few months ago, she wanted to try to ride and get measured again. I have to confess, I was a little bit nervous. I knew this was a big deal, 
and I knew she was pretty resolved to take the next step of riding enjoyment. I tried to coach her on what we would do if she wasn't tall enough. See, I had lots of practice because it wasn't until like I was 14 that I could <laughs> actually ride these kind of rides. So I knew what that disappointment was like. It's just something that only short people can understand. But she is seven. She's ready to go. So I was trying to prepare her for the reality of being an Ellis. But she was confident. And as Ava put her back against the wall to be measured at the measuring station, I could clearly see that she was just shy of that 48-inch line. My heart sank a little bit. But then an angel of the Lord descended like a dove. <laughs> As the lady began to measure her, I could not believe it. She held the measure triangle device at a slight angle. So she measured her like here. So it was slightly pointed up. And it allowed her to reach the 48-inch mark. So what a day. Game on. What ride do you want to ride today, Ava? Vortex. Oh, no. No, no, no. Vortex is the worst ride at Kings Island. Quite possibly. I, I've finished that ride with my sh fair share of headaches. Because being short, the ride is like a boxing match. Look at where my ears are compared to that little doon, 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 doon. That's, that's pretty much the ride. Now, she could escape because it goes over her head. But roller coasters... Roller coasters are a good representation of life, aren't they? The ups, the downs, the twists, and the turns. In 1 Kings, we read about the king of Israel, a not-so-great king. This king of Israel and the children of Israel are riding this roller coaster. This is after King David, King Solomon and they're on the verge of captivity. The king of Syria, King Benadad, was getting ready to overthrow this kingdom, the children of Israel. The king of Syria is getting ready to topple this kingdom. So the king of Israel gathers his army together. It's a pitiful bunch. But listen how the Bible describes this scene. In the spring, Benadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went against them. But watch how it describes them. The people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats. But the Syrians filled the country. The people of Israel 
were like two little flocks of goats, pointless, directionless, just wandering, going everywhere, just pitiful on the side of a hill. And it describes the Syrians that they filled the country. On paper, it was clear what was getting ready to happen. The Syrians were going to destroy the people of Israel. However, the Syrians made a mistake. They miscalculated. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28 says, And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, who was, he realized it's, it's bad news. But this man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you will know that I am the Lord. They had limited the God to the high places. He's the God of the hills, the enemy said, but he's not the God of the valleys. He's not the God in the low places. Oh, you can see God when you're on the mountaintop, but guess what? God's not showing up in the valley. God took that bad theology of the Syrians as a personal insult. I think it was an insult because they had determined where God could go. They had determined where God could show up and what God could do. Metaphorically, isn't that our perspective of God sometimes? We believe God in the high times. We believe God in the hills. When we get a new home, he's the God of the hills. When we get that new car that costs us too much money and we call it a blessing. Help me now. Well, praise God. When we get that raise at work, he's the God of the hills. But how often we lose our perspective of God in the low times. And it's what I want someone to understand today, that God is not just a God in the hills. He's also the God of the valleys. God is God in the high times. And he's God in the low times. We're going to walk through trying times. Just because you signed up to be a Christian doesn't mean you're exempt from low times or valleys. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. In its true context, 1 Corinthians 10.3 is talking about idolatry. He's talking about sexual immorality. He's talking about human desire. It has to do with the decision-making in the face of temptation. But it also tells me something about God, that God is not just a God on the mountaintop, but actually in the lowest of situations, God is present. Low times will take place. Temptation is assured in life. Trials are assured in life. Testing is a guarantee in life. It rains on the just and the unjust. And most of the time in these low times, things feel as though they're beyond our ability to handle. There are times, if we're honest, we find ourselves facing issues in life that are greater than our capacity to understand. They're greater than our resources and they're greater than our ability to handle. There are times we find ourselves uh, where we don't know what to do about the situation. We absolutely have no understanding, no knowledge uh, of what we can do. There are times we get in life and we realize we don't have enough money in the bank uh, to really fix the problem that's in front of us. Uh, There is sometimes in life where we reach states uh, where there is absolutely nothing medically that can be done to heal. It's low times. It's difficult times. It is beyond us. If we could, we would change the circumstance. If we could, we would change what we're walking through, but it's a low time. Sometimes it seems that it's more than we can bear. It seems that we can't carry the weight. It seems impossible that we can carry this pressure. This heaviness is around us. Our our heart is hurting. We are without answers. It is beyond us. I'm reminded of Moses and the children of Israel. Moses was being chased down by an angry army larger and stronger than them as they tried to flee Egypt. They were doing the right thing. They were trying to leave Egypt and obey the voice of God. And when they looked back, there was an army that was on their heels. And the Bible says that the Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them as they were encamped by the sea. And then it says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their hot eyes and behold, The Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Have you ever just been there where you've looked, and there is no way forward, there's no way back, it is just beyond your ability? Elisha, I'm reminded of Elisha and his servant who were surrounded by an enemy. And the, the Bible says that when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? 
It was David who penned such incredible words. But if you really read the Psalms, you'll find that he was overwhelmed at times. In one occasion, in Psalm chapter 6, he said, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? How long can I stand this? How long can I bear this? It's almost impossible. He said, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. He's at the end of himself. Psalm chapter 69, he reads, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the floods sweeps around me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore. I I don't deserve this. There's nothing that I did. I've done some wrong things, God, but this isn't something that I deserve. Oh, God, you know my folly The wrongs I've done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. He said in verse 11, when I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. It's that bad. Life can get that bad that they can write country songs about you. (laughs) I think there are times that we face things that honestly we cannot carry. We are outnumbered. We are being chased down by a foe that could destroy us. And many times the question on our lips is, where is God in all of this? God, this is not what I signed up for. God, I didn't ask for this. I did not agree to this. In fact, you promised that we would not have to carry more than we could bear. The reality is, we can't carry it. It's too much. That is, if I'm walking alone. That is, if God is not in the valleys. You see, our ability to escape and endure begins with the fact that God is faithful. You see, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he said, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody needs to know that today. God is faithful. And he said, under that pretense, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
God is faithful is what we stand on. When the weight of the world is crushing down on us, when the weight of life is coming down on us, we can't stand under our own two feet. We can't stand under our own understanding, our own knowledge, our own resources. The only thing we can do is stand on the fact that God is faithful. God is stable. God is is fixed. God is sure. God is unmovable. So Paul gave us this perspective of God that helps us in the low times. He said, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, theologian John Barclay says, the word for a way of escape is really a mountain pass. With the idea of an army being surrounded by the enemy and then suddenly seeing the escape route to safely be diverted away from the harm. And there's three things that I want you to consider concerning the escape. Like a mountain pass, the way of escape isn't necessarily easy. Let me tell you again, the way of escape is not necessarily easy. When you climb through a mountain pass, it's not always the easiest route. When God provides a way of escape, it's not always just an easy plane that you walk through. Number two, the way of escape does not lead us to a place where we escape all temptation and all problems It doesn't solve everything for all time. He gives us an escape in the moment. He gives us the ability to walk through it in the moment. But it doesn't tell us uh, that we're never going to face another problem or a temptation. The escape is for that moment. And number three, the way of escape, hear me now, leads us to a place where we may be able to bear it. To endure it. The way of escape leads us to a place where we can endure it. He said, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's not that he takes it away. Not that he just takes the difficulty away or the pressure away or the the mounting trouble away from you. But he gives you an escape so that many times you can literally endure it. To walk through it. He's the God of the hills. And he's the God of the valleys. He doesn't suddenly disappear from the valleys. And he doesn't just make the valleys disappear. He's the God of the hills, Syrians. And he's the God of the valleys. My friend, Torrin Wells, many of you know who he is, wrote a popular Christian song in 2017. It was nominated for a Grammy called Hills and Valleys. And I read you these lyrics today. I've walked among the shadows, 
You've wiped my tears away. And I felt the pain of heartbreak. And I've seen the brighter days. And I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place. And I have held your blessings, God. You give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is enough. No matter where I am, I'm standing in your love. On the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who sent me there. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. When I'm walking through the valley, I know I'm not alone. You're the God of the hills and valleys. See, here's the reality. You can't get on this ride unless you're pre-qualified. This doesn't mean I'm pre-qualified to not have any struggles. This does not mean I'm pre-qualified that any trouble that comes my way, that God's going to just get me out of it. That somehow I'll escape. As Norman Pasley II said, we are tall enough to ride this ride because God will never put us in a place that we cannot find victory. God will never put us in a place that we cannot find victory. I'm pre-qualified to win. See, we don't have strength in ourselves to live the Christian life, to battle the enemy or do anything of lasting value. But we're called to be strong in the Lord. This is not a call to combine our strength with God's. We don't have strength. He's the source of all means for victory. We are invited and compelled to realize and live When I am weak, he is made strong. David wrote a song, wasn't nominated for a Grammy, but it's sung a lot. It pointed to David's understanding that God is the God of the hills and the valleys. Says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You're the God of the hills. And you're the God of the valleys. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I couldn't face the hills and the valleys on my own. I couldn't handle the ride on my own. But I get on the ride 
knowing I'm not alone. There's no place you can find yourself. There is no place you can find yourself that God can't find victory. There is no place that you can find yourself that God can't find victory. There's no temptation. There's no low place that you can go that God can't find victory. There's no failure you can make that God can't find victory. There's no pressure that you're under that God can't find victory. No place of disconnect from God. Paul wrote, we are afflicted on every way in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. All things in our life are not good. There are low times in life. But Paul said, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. In the ESV it says, we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things can work together for good. I'm preaching this message today because I'm reminded on this day that if I'm qualified to ride the ride, if I've measured up, I'm qualified to finish the ride. Today, as I remember Bishop Pasley II, on the first anniversary of his passing, I realized God hasn't allowed something to take place that swallows us, swallows us up. Last year, this time, we stood in a room saying our goodbyes. And today, one year later, I think Bishop Pasley II would say, you're tall enough to ride this ride. Calvary Church, you're tall enough to ride this ride. Some of you have gone through some ugly stuff. You're tall enough to ride this ride. You're able to walk through the valley because he's the God of the hills and he's the God of the valley. Some of you are going through some very dark times right now. And God doesn't seem present. And God doesn't seem near. But I'm telling you today, you're tall enough to ride this ride. God's going to walk you through this valley. Oh, it's not easy. It's not an easy passageway. Not something that you just fly through and you escape. But what he promises is, I'll make a way of escape for you that you can endure it. Here's why I say that. Because God, being the God of the hills and valleys, God promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you.
In Hebrews 13, 6, it says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I fall into the hands of God today. For some of you, there are no words to say. There are no prayers that would be enough to pray your heart away in some ways, your heartache away, your struggle. But God is simply reminding us on this day that he is the God of the hills and he is the God of the valleys. Would you stand this morning? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke. I don't know if I can bear any more pressure. I don't know if I can take any more pressure. God said, take my yoke. Because in your dark times, when you literally can't see anything, and there are times when you can't see anything, it's the yoke of God that guides us in the darkness. It's the yoke of God that leads us beside still waters. We can't pray. We can't find the right words to say. And so we don't have to say anything. All we have to do is be yoked to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this step. I'm going to trust you with this escape plan that you've created that I might endure it. God, you have pre-qualified me to ride this ride. And God, I'm going to trust you with every hill with every valley, with every up, with every down, with every twist, with every turn. God, I'm going to stay strapped in. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Before I invite you to come today, I'm reminded of a few other passages. It talks about the fact that you and I are members one another, that we lift one another up in difficult times. Bible says in Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burden so, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And today I'm going to invite you to come to the altar in just a moment. And maybe, you'll, maybe your life is good right now. Maybe you're on the mountaintop of life. Maybe you're in the plain and that's good. There are some people in this room who are in a low place. There's some dark things some things that are not understood. And I wonder if you would pray for somebody today. God would be their strength. God would be their comfort. And I'm going to invite you to bring your burden to the Lord. Like I said, you don't have to even have the words to say to come to this altar. 
just coming and saying, God, I'm going to take your yoke upon me because it's easy and your burden is light. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today. I pray, God, for those who have situations in their life that they literally have no answer for. They have no resources to fix what they feel needs fixed. They have nothing, God, that they can petition you with. God, and I'm praying today that you would reveal yourself as not only the God of the hills, but as the God of the valley. You said you would not leave us, you would not forsake us, but you would walk with us. You would walk through the valley with us. You would make it possible for us to find a way of escape through endurance. And God, I pray that we would trust you with every step, with every detail. That we would not try to carry it alone. We would not try to just make sense of it on our own. But Lord, we come underneath the weight of your yoke. Today we bow our knees to you as our Lord, to you as our helper, to you as the one who sustains us in difficult times. God, today we look to you as the God of the hills. And we say today that you are the God of the valleys. You are the God of the valleys today, Lord. In this we trust, and this we acknowledge today. I wonder if you would step out of your pew today. Maybe you just want to say, God, I trust you today. I trust you with my life today. I trust you with the circumstances of my life today. God, we pray that you would bring strength into this room today. You would bring comfort into this room today. Oh, God, be the lifter of our head. Be the strength that we need today. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that we can trust you. Oh, God, I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God, we acknowledge you today. God, we acknowledge you today with everything in our life. We don't just pray to you and God, the times that are are good, Lord, or we don't just praise you, God, in times that seem like your hand is on us, God, but we pray and we praise you, God, even when we don't see you. God, give clarity today. Give direction today. God, I need your help. I need your help. That's the greatest prayer you can pray today. God, I need your help today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, 
please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.